Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. What? I am. It's true. Uh, as those of you who have been listening, you're well aware, uh, Mary had to step aside from lore casting duties. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we you know, reached out like, hey, like let's let's get you on at least once a month. You know, you you can't yeah. you can't stay away for too long. I can't. I really can't, and I do miss it terribly. I have so many extracurricular activities that the kids are doing. It is insane. You need to you can get rid of those kids. They're, <laughs> they're getting, pretty good kids. They're getting in the way have, of your nerve. I'm, I'm gonna have one less kid in school next year. Oh, so I have bad. one that graduates this year. Yeah, we just have we have on over here on our side we have about six more years and counting down the days. Yeah, I've got one that graduates this year. One will graduate in two years, and the other will graduate in like four. Well, until then, uh, your your lore casting abilities will be. It's almost like you're in a like in a wild magic zone. Like you're not I exactly am. sure what's gonna. You're not exactly sure if you'll be able to <laughs> lore cast or not. The most accurate description of my house that I have ever heard. It's a wild magic zone. Yes. But yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like we said initially. Um, you know, what was it a, a month or so back? Uh, you know, you're definitely not going away. You're no, no, very no. much in, still involved on the Discord mm-hmm. and and on the in the community in general. And but yeah, this is yeah. just part of that. You know, we're gonna have we're you're, you're gonna be on uh, doing yeah. doing at least one episode, possibly a mm-hmm. uh, uh, patron roundtable. You know? Yeah, try to get some try to knock a little extra stuff out with it. The end of the year, there should be a lull, so I should be able to get some stuff in this next couple months, and then spring will get crazy again and then i will exhale once summer happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well this week we are discussing some of your favorite types of creatures 
you uh you're you're talking some of your your father your uh, uh I was say, family tradition I was say father mary <laughs> father <laughs> mary. family name yes yes <laughs> uh some of his favorite creatures yes. the dragon but mm-hmm. not just any type of dragon the gem no, dragon you, you lured me in with shiny objects is what you did i did i did I was like hey you're can like, you can you do have... uh one episode a month and you're like well maybe yeah, sure maybe yeah what are we what are we talking about oh lots of shiny things you'll love it okay you're like yes please and thank you yes uh so thank yeah so you. gem dragons uh yes. they are a subcategory of dragons with crystalline scales and they spend much of their time on the inner planes mm-hmm. they are all uh psionically powerful although to most observers to the layman uh, their psychic talents are pretty much indistinguishable from regular sorcery. I say regular sorcery, like just run-of-the-mill you know, magic. Run, like, you know, you just pick it up at the corner store, just a little sorcery. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, yeah, if I saw <laughs> if I saw uh, a humanoid casting a spell and then I saw a dragon casting a similar spell, I wouldn't be like, oh, I bet he's got psionic powers. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's all freaking magic to me. It's, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I mean, I'm sure someone, you know, with a more magical bent would be able to discern that, but... They will, um, actually you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, oh, this guy again. <laughs> uh, so, He's like lost. other dragons, the neutral gem dragon, uh, dragons are winged reptilian beings, uh, known and feared for, you know, both their physical prowess and their magical abilities. Uh, they have a reputation for being very charismatic and suave. Same. And... <laughs> Girl, what else you got? Yeah, so far. That's all I got. Look, charisma is my dump dragon. stat. <laughs> charisma is my dump stat. That's it. That's what I got going for me. Uh, they delight in riddles. Uh, they're masters of persuasion, and they uh, and use their magic and psionics as well as just as their natural charisma. Their natural riz, as the Gen Zers are saying. Oh, as the kids say, they are uh, rizzed up. They are rizzed out the game. Uh, <laughs> gem dragons can also be aloof or solitary, even self-centered, especially some of the older worms. I mean, maybe you should stay off their lawn. <laughs> I'm just, I'm saying, you know, like back in their day, uh, <laughs> when multiple gem dragons are encountered. It's usually a young mated pair. Uh, they are also they're usually smaller and slower than their metallic or chromatic counterparts, but they have like other abilities to compensate. I mean, just so don't get it twisted. Gem no, dragons no. are just as dangerous. It's a dragon. I feel like anybody <laughs> that assumes a dragon's not dangerous is yeah, but he's not as big. Like, okay, sir, I'm going to need you to take all the seats. I'm going to get every seat, please. I'm just saying, some of the most vicious little folks I know are them little bitty stocky dudes. Oh, Those no, are the yes. ones you got to worry about. Uh, speaking of vicious little dudes, I ran my X-Crawl <laughs> play test at the Long Ooh. Con this past weekend. Mm-hmm, uh, a fun mm-hmm. time was had by all. And most, I uh, actually had a, I had one player death in the first room, which was just these little like mushroom, like, folk that maybe like come up like a foot high you know Aww. like shit high uh yeah one of them died as a result of their attack were, so, were the mushroom guys talking shiitake i don't miss that 
I don't miss that at all. That's a lie. Uh, um, shit talking. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you can't underestimate the uh never underestimate the little guy. The little guy. Or gal or mushroom thing person. Right. Um so these gem dragons at first glance may be mistaken for other similarly colored species like the 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 crystal dragon could be mistaken for the white dragon topaz for yellow emerald mm-hmm. for green so on and so forth uh, but the environments where they are encountered should indicate you know otherwise you should give you a good idea of, of what's what um, and mm-hmm. also when gem dragons are seen in a bright light their sparkling hides easily identify them as well I love it. No, yeah, it's great. I mean, imagine imagine seeing a dragon and then like it it lands in the sunlight and just starts to sparkle everywhere. You're like, this is awesome. Well, see, I collect all sorts of like, I guess, gemstones or healing stones, crystals, whatever you want to call them. I collect a lot of them. I think they're neat. I enjoy very pretty shiny rocks. You just think they're neat. I you you think gem colored rocks are, are neat? I think yeah. potatoes are neat. Oh hell yeah, potatoes are the best. Yeah, so just it, uh, I just love them so much because I can, it's the mental image for me, all the shininess and the sound of them mm, mm, mm. satisfies my little druid soul. Oh, we'll talk about druids uh, a little bit later on, which is very cool. Uh, so these neutral dragons are fearsome predators, but they will scavenge when necessary. Uh, they have very efficient metabolisms, can't relate. Uh, which can make use of practically anything the dragon eats. No, not I. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, like efficient metabolism. Like, what does this mean? That's, I. I feel like a contradiction. Like Twenty years ago, maybe. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I, I look at pictures of me and my best friends from high school, mm-hmm. and uh, like, at all we dr- ate was Taco Bell and McDonald's. All we drank was Dr Pepper, and we were just rail thin. Yep. Just absolutely not realizing the world is going to crush us. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, but mostly gem dragons subsist on at least partially or at least partially on inorganic material, Mm -hmm. uh, like particularly the appropriate type of gem that they are. Mm -hmm. Um, But however, living primarily on the inner planes has caused gem dragons to develop unusual diets. Uh, oh. And when I read that line, I'm like, oh, here, here, here we go. Here it comes. Uh, okay. It's not as bad as you would think, though. Oh. I, I, so, you know, while they do enjoy variety in their meals, they can survive mm-hmm. indefinitely by consuming elemental matter. Again, not as bad huh. as what the the prior sentence. Just little led dirt eaters. Little kind dirt eaters. Little dirt eaters, air eaters, you know water drinkers oh, okay uh, I mean, like, dragons chasing down clouds to eat them is kind of the cutest mental image i've had in a hot minute right and so hearing you know, develop unusual diets immediately i'm thinking like oh dang it they're eating corpses they're like <laughs> you know sh- uh shish kebab with rats and mm-hmm, var- mm-hmm, other varmints mm-hmm. now just eating clouds and stuff or buildings that are made from stone yeah, like adobe huts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, gem dragons are not native to the inner planes, but they do have like some favorite environments. Okay. And like all dragons, 
gem dragons are incredibly covetous. They hoard <laughs> wealth, collecting mounds of coins and gathering as many gems and jewels and magic items and bits and bobbles as right, possible. Right, right. Uh, those with large hordes become slightly paranoid. I mean, it, as one it, does, it's giving Howard Hughes. It's you know, like being locked up for so long and kind of you know in yeah. your giant mansion, your giant cavern filled with all your mm-hmm. treasures. Mm-hmm. You're gonna go a little crazy. It's true. You're gonna go a little paranoid. Uh, so they only venture out of their lairs to patrol <laughs> the immediate area or to get food. Because right. for dragons, there is never, ever enough treasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I can't be mad if I have... I mean, you we we see that with, you know, these... With the, the Bezoses and the Zuckerbergs mm-hmm. and the Gateses of the world. They're, I mean, they're like... I mean, well, I say they're dragons in human forms. Dragons can take human forms. For all we know, Jeff Bezos is a dragon. Parading around the material plane like a human. I mean, okay, so I, well, I hoard things, but I hoard small trinkets. Like, there's an obscene number of them. It's a lot. My whole desk is covered in tiny little trinkets and stuff. So, they get it. It's not that my hoard is expensive or that anybody would actually want to take it. But I do guard it really jealously at times. I get that. I get this feeling. I, I, I get I the, the execution is different, but the idea is the same. Mm-hmm, the idea mm-hmm. is the same. Uh, it's so just like the uh, wish.com version. It's much cheaper. There are a handful of different types of uh, gem dragons. There's the amethyst, the emerald, the sapphire, the topaz, and the crystal. Uh, those mm-hmm. are the main types of gem dragons. We're going to discuss those in the first half of the show. And in the second half of the show, we're going to discuss a trio of the more obscure gem dragons, the obsidian dragon, the amber dragon, and the belgeril dragon. So up first, we've got the amethyst dragon. They Mm -hmm. are wise and regal, and they sometimes serve as intermediaries between either warring dragons or even humanoid civilizations. But they sometimes have to be convinced to do so because uh, otherwise they just ignore what they consider to be petty squabbles between, you know, silly things like good and evil law and chaos. Right. Petty, silly little things that mean, mean nothing. Uh, So an amethyst dragon has lavender skin and scales that are shaped like naturally formed mineral crystals. And when it first hatches, its scales are a light, translucent purple shade. And as it grows older, they gradually darken and take on like a more crystalline quality. And you'll see that in the description of most of these gem dragons that that when they're born, they appear one one way. And as they get older, they kind of they sort of mature, like, you know, like the grain of one's hair or losing of it. In, no. in, in some I was going to say like crystals form naturally or that or a, or <laughs> a more or a more uh, relatable analogy I mean I don't know anything about crystals all I know um, about crystals is that I went to high school with one and she was a cheerleader and we were on the newspaper staff together she was pretty cool that's all right <laughs> Uh, so fair enough shout out crystal from the newspaper staff 
Uh, so uh, most amethyst dragons live in hollowed out spaces on the elemental plane of Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. These caverns can consist of many passages and chambers that are just resplendent with crystals of all types of colors. Younger amethyst dragons, they avoid combat by flying away if possible, and older ones will use their special abilities to improve their chances of catching a target flat-footed. But even adults will flee if it's obvious that after the first few rounds of combat, that they if they can't overpower their opposition, that's when they'll burn off. Oh, they're smart. They are. I mean, yeah, they're dragons. They're smart. Not like most PC parties. Like, okay, you're True. level you're level one, you come across a uh a ter- a terrorist. Um, what do you do? Like, well, I guess we're gonna fight it. Like, no, you're not no. Okay. Why? Can I ask why? Do you hate the character you just created? Is that why? Do you hate being who you are? Do you want to talk about that? Talk about that. Uh, but if an amethyst dragon is fighting to protect its lair or its young, it will, mm-hmm. you know, it will seldom flee the battle. It'll right. it'll stick around regardless. That's where of... the line is then. Right, right. Up next, we've got emerald dragons. Emerald dragons are inquisitive, uh, in particular about local history and customs. And often their knowledge of a particular area in that, you know, in that subject, in those subjects, um, mm-hmm. it surpasses that of the best sage. Ooh. However, these dragons are very paranoid so developing even a passing acquaintance with one can be quite difficult challenge accepted i i can imagine like yeah you're like he just needs to open up he just get, needs to get to know the real me mm-hmm. i could see you wearing down an emerald dragon like all right fine just come like <laughs> have you seen about a boy no of course not uh, so about a boy uh, really quickly is uh it's a very charming film it's one of my favorites um it's a uh about uh, it's about a lot of different things but there's was one part of the movie where uh this like kind of like middle school aged kid for one reason or another like tries to get goes to this um goes to hugh grant's house goes to his flat and just keeps mm-hmm. showing up and the guy's like i know like i don't want anything to do with you like you're a kid like i'm like but he just keeps showing up and finally he's just like all right come in and so that's how like <laughs> their friendship starts. They're, uh, I mean, and so that's I maybe. see like I like I have this very distinct image in my head of Hugh Grant opening the door and just kind of like not saying anything, just kind of like like motioning him in, like yeah, come on, come on. There'd be a deep sigh to go with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's you and an emerald dragon. Uh huh. I'm okay with this. That's fine. Absolutely. That's another. That is another uh tv show idea for D adventures <laughs> the fast tv channel i would uh i'd be in it'd be yeah. fun mary and the emerald dragon Dude, it's like it's a it's a like a buddy it's like a buddy buddy movie buddy buddy show mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so the scales of a wormling emerald dragon are translucent and sea green and as it ages those scales harden and take on every shade of green from deep emerald to uh, mint green. Oh. And they scintillate even in the dimmest of lights. Another cool thing is that an emerald's an emerald dragon's pupils fade as they get older. 
So mm-hmm. by the time it becomes a great worm, its eyes are featureless. And they How cool like, is that? <laughs> glowing green orbs. It's just the coolest. So just, the typical uh, emerald dragon likes to settle near an area that is at least partly inhabited by civilized beings of any type, but not so much so that its presence becomes generally known. Same. I mean, that makes sense for where, Look, where you actually it. live. Where I actually <laughs> live. Yeah, that's, that's like pretty no, much my dream. No, my goal. No, yeah. <laughs> Knowing where you live. I'm like, yeah, like it's like, you know, it's there's enough over there, but not too much. Exactly. <laughs> um, that would always um, just bug the, the, the crap out of me is like going over to my mom's because like she lives, you know, like close way. enough that you can get stuff. You know, it's yeah. not like, well, we're going into town once a month, uh, yeah. but it's, everything is like 20 minutes away. Everything is about 10 to 15. Some of it's as far as 30 minutes away, but yeah, it just depends yeah. on how long I want to be driving. Yeah. If you, if you forget something at the store that you're, you're, you're just going to have to do without. Oh no. Walmart delivery delivers here. Oh, well then you're good. I'm good. Yeah. It's wonderful. Because I don't have to go there. I don't have to leave. <laughs> uh, so leave. on the material plane, emerald dragons make their layers in the cones of extinct or at least seldom active volcanoes. Uh, while on the inner planes, these dragons still watch over their, you know, favored material plane spots. Their mm-hmm. li- their favorite material plane haunts. Uh, emerald dragons nurture their wormlings, so any given layer of a young adult or just any older dragon is likely to also include at least one wormling. Um, as a result of this, um, they're quite distrustful of visitors and their layers uh, bristle with hidden traps and both magic and mundane alarms. And should these measures fail to deter these visitors, an mm-hmm. emerald dragon first hides with an improved invisibility spell, but then okay. reveals its presence should its treasure or the hatchlings or wormlings become threatened. Oh. So again, another instance of like not really trying to get into it, but if my lair or my babies are being threatened, like mm-hmm. it, it's going to be a fight. So much. Be a fight. So much messing around and finding out. I mean, like you're right. Like, yeah, if you're if you're that's my theory. If you're messing around in a dragon's lair, messing around Dude, with these hatchlings or wormlings, gonna... like you are literally asking for it. You are playing a dangerous game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your cojones are absurd. <laughs> absurd cojones. That's the name <laughs> of my new band. Uh, so <laughs> sapphire dragons it. are up next, and while not actively hostile. Sapphire dragons are still quite territorial, in mm-hmm. particular when it comes to other dragons that encroach on their territories, either on the material plane of Earth, where they usually stay, or mm-hmm. in the areas of the material plane that they call their own. Gotcha. So sapphire dragons tend to be antisocial toward all beings. Again, um, not seeing the problem here. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> but, and they also view the evil races of the Underdark as particular enemies and oh. sometimes come into direct conflict with them over underground territory. 
interesting so and like what's wild is like you look up the artwork for a sapphire dragon and they look so evil they look and you know you can't judge a book by its cover but these things look super evil and i I can tell you that because they look super awesome (laughs) oh so that's how you knew they look yeah like oh these look awesome they must be evil like what they gotta be the evil they're neutral okay okay uh, so these dragons don't go in for small talk unless the discussion revolves around military strategy, a subject on which they consider themselves to be experts, if not geniuses. So, you know, not much for you know humility there. Uh, oh. and, and I mean, they they it's also they've they're very old. I mean, if you don't become a genius in something at twelve hundred. If you yeah, haven't, you know, what are you point, really doing with your life? It's like, you know, like if you're if you've been a vampire for 600 years and you're still broke, like what are you even doing? Mhm. Exactly. So, oh. like I said, they consider themselves geniuses at uh, military right. strategy and they even may forgive, you know, unwanted or unwarranted visitors of their presence if they offer it a game of strategy. Of course, it's never wise to beat a dragon. So, contest the, them, but let them win. But don't let them know that you're letting them win. Right, right. In in the Good words luck. of Han Solo, "Let the Wookiee win." Uh, their scales range Preach. from light to dark blue in color, and they scintillate in any light, creating this cascade of ghostly glints on the walls of their caverns, in which these creatures Ooh. often lair. Uh, they're actually because of the the dark blue color. They're often mistaken for blue dragons, unless someone then recalls like where each dragon kind of makes their home. Like, yeah, if you're in the underdark and you see what appears to be a, a blue dragon, you're probably it is. Like, not. Oh wait, this is where blue sapphire dragons, are, dragons live. Right, right, yeah. Right. Blue dragons are a desert dwelling. Yeah, and so you yeah, that's why you need the lore. You need to know you what you're dealing lore. with. Gotta know your dragons. You gotta know your dragons. You gotta know your lore. Uh, that's, so that's why we're here. Unlike the scales of other gem dragons, mm-hmm. the those of a sapphire mm-hmm. dragon don't change as a creature ages. Oh. Uh, although its pupils do fade with time, so by the time it becomes a great worm, its eyes are these like featureless, glowing sapphire orbs, like or right in the middle of their skull. That's exactly what you want to run into in the freaking Underdark. Right. <laughs> Glowing Jeez. blue eyes. Uh, oh, these, boy. these dragons love the elemental plane of Earth, but they also like to live in deep, dry, rocky caverns on the okay. material plane. Um, should you find yourself in one of their lairs, you mm-hmm. could often find drow, mind flayer, aboleth trophies being prominently oh. displayed. You know, uh, uh, to remind the dragon of past victories. Um, and they also allow large monstrous spiders to roam about, but only as a handy source of food. Oh, keepers. Right, right. Poor things. Uh, and so to keep those creatures close, the dragon will allow, you know, the spider's favorite prey species to inhabit right. portions of its lair. So, because you got to feed your farm they're farming spiders they're farming spiders and you gotta feed your uh your product i guess it, it all makes sense and in, in this does. weird disgusting way 
That, yeah, that totally makes sense. Anywhere outside this conversation, that sentence would not be appropriate. No, no, yeah, there's <laughs> there are definite like, calls to HR or you know to the. She just says the, the weirdest office. things sometimes. This is why I work from home. Yeah, exactly. People here know I say weird stuff. All the that time. that's why I, at my job I I make sure I get everyone like look I I'm a that all I do is talk and think about D and D so if I say anything off the wall just assume it's D and D related. <laughs> so topaz dragons are up next Mm -hmm. uh they tend to be unfriendly and selfish although they're not exactly malevolent uh, their erratic behavior makes any dealings with them very unpleasant and pretty dangerous oh yeah they uh they neither seek company nor welcome it uh and a topaz wormling scales are dull yellow you know at when it's young with Mm -hmm. orange highlights and as it ages, its color slowly brightens until individual scales become scarcely visible. Mm. And so from a distance, it looked, you know, the, the topaz dragon looks like it's been sculpted from pure topaz. They just look like neat. one giant piece. They are of so pretty. Uh, it, and this was my favorite that, you know, it's as, as it ages, its pupils fade. And so mm-hmm. by the time it becomes a great worm, its eyes resemble glowing orbs of fire. And I'm like, that's cool. Oh, they're so cool. I just want one. Uh, they spend most of their time on the elemental plane of water. And during their brief forays onto the material plane, they layer on secluded beaches, caves below the waterline. Mm-hmm. Um, but even on the elemental plane of water, they keep their layers completely dry. They love to lounge on outcroppings that are lashed by waves and wind-blasted sea spray. And of course, you know, these vantages also allow them to spot passing prey, such as sharks and large squid. I love how the sharks and the large squids, which you would think are like the apex predators mm-hmm. of the ocean, like those are the passing prey that a topaz dragon oh. would be like, oh, I'm going to take that great white. There you go. Oh, I could snack on a whale today. I'm feeling a little peckish. <laughs> um, but because they oh, inhabit goodness. similar territories, topaz dragons and bronze dragons often come into conflict, mm. and duels between the two are often furious and deadly. I'm rather fond of bronze dragons as well. They're one of my favorite sorts. Just the thought of living in like the seaside cave and collecting all the treasures from the ocean. All the stuff from like wreck from like she- mm-hmm. shipwrecks and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they generally dislike intruders, but they prefer to begin any potential confrontation with conversation. Oh, and okay. they then quickly attack intruders who either prove hostile or boring. So you better come with uh, some icebreakers or something. Like come some good stories for this, oh, for this topaz dragon. It's like, I, you're boring me. I'm going to kill you now. I'm sorry. I apologize I mean, profusely so, for such things. No, learn some good jokes. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and before we take our break, we're going to talk about crystal dragons. They are the friendliest of the gem dragons, uh, the Labradors of the, <laughs> the gem dragons. <laughs> so I was picturing this golden retriever energy. Uh, they are always curious about the world. And though they seldom seek out company, they enthusiastically converse with willing visitors who don't try to steal from them. 
I'm just picturing Ed from Ed, Ed, Eddie. Right, right. It's the voice for them. It's just beautiful. Uh, a wormling crystal dragon scales are glossy white. And as it ages, these scales become translucent. Mm-hmm. And moonlight or starlight causes them to luminous. And full sunlight sends uh, lends them this dazzling brilliance that's almost unbearable to look at. Aww. Crystal dragons prefer the elemental plane of air, but they sometimes build incredible ice palaces atop high cold mountains or high cold mountain peaks on the material plane where they can watch the stars and create sculptures out of ice and snow. Everything about like this Elsa. so far is just charming AF. It's... It is. They're so precious. Uh, white dragons and crystal dragons sometimes come into conflict. Uh, crystal dragons have been known to make off with white dragon eggs, possibly to foster the white wormlings and help them grow into a friendlier dragon than they would otherwise become. <laughs> Being raised by awful, evil white dragons. I kidnap somebody else's kid, so hopefully they'll have a good influence on my little shits. <laughs> I mean, this is what I'm getting here. I mean, the logic is a little skewed. It's like, look, your parents are awful, so I'm going to kidnap you so I can raise you to be a good person. <laughs> I mean, oh. the logic is it's a little wonky, but I can it I can is. see the through line. Uh, oh, however, beautiful. you know, such white dragons, yeah, you know, in these circumstances are extremely rare. Right. Again, I'd say that doesn't happen. So perhaps you do meet a golden retriever type white dragon. (laughs) Uh, Crystal dragons tend to bear great enmity toward any local giants since the latter occasionally join forces with white dragons to go hunting for crystal dragon lairs or crystal dragon wormlings. Oh, they even have that energy in their picture. Like I said, that's uh, those are the main dra- uh, gem dragons. We're going to take the middle of the show break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the more rare gem dragons. Ooh. Hey there, Dungeon Masters. Ever wished for a tool to help design your worlds and campaigns? Introducing Epic World Builder, the app that turns those dreams into reality. Craft intricate dungeons populated with creatures from the abyss, or cities with secrets hidden around every corner. Join a community of dreamers and world builders sharing and exploring each other's creations. Create your free campaign today with EpicWorldBuilder.com. EpicWorldBuilder.com, where your world comes to life. Welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we do all our housekeeping stuff, all the middle of the show type stuff. Uh, first and foremost, we want to thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show by listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be that you listen on. Uh, if you're doing that, it's more than enough. But if we could ask you to just do one more thing, uh, it would be to leave us a good review. Let others know that you're enjoying the show. Let us know uh, what you enjoy the most about it, what we could work on, all that fun stuff. Um, additionally, if you want to support the show in other ways, you can definitely go on to all the different social medias, your threads and your blue skies and your X's and your Twitches and Instagram, all that fun stuff, uh, and follow us there. We're pretty much everywhere. We are at DND Lorecast. 
Um, the, the branding, the if if nothing else, the branding is on point. Uh, also, we want to give a special shout out to all of our patrons out there over the over at the Patreon.com/slash D&D Lorecast. We've got some cool stuff. If you're not a member, those 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 fair folk of the Patreon that we're thanking right now, they already know what kind of cool stuff we got because they get their they get their grubby little hands on it each and every month. I don't know why I just described the patrons who I are some of my favorite people in the world um, as having grubby hands, but you know what? That's that's what it is. That's that's what came out of my heart. That's how I feel, I guess. Um, but yeah, we have cool stuff. We have bonus content. Um, in fact, there um, for every couple every month, there are a couple of Patreon Plus installments, which are kind of um, like deeper dives into some of the lore we talk about. For example, this month uh, we covered the book of and deck of many things, the the newest release from Wizards. Well, we did a Patreon Plus installment that was a deep dive into the deity Istis, which plays a pivotal role in the lore behind the deck of many things. Um, additionally, we'll have a Patreon Plus installment. Uh, for this episode, we'll be covering the Rage of Dragons. So if you want to get those Patron Plus uh, installments plus and a full-blown, full-on actual bonus episode each and every month, you can go over to, D- like I said, patreon.com slash lorecast and sign up for the uh, for the scholar tier. Uh, the apprentice tier will get you the back catalog of all the old episodes, all the episodes that Tom and Stuart did before um, before the changeover, before before we took over the reins. And then we have other tiers beyond that. You know, the wizard tier will get you uh, free merchandise. You can get yourself invited to the patron roundtable discussion episodes, plus something else that we got cooking in the cauldron, which I'll go ahead and announce now. Uh, the D&D Lorecast is working on actual play episodes. They will um, kind of take the place of the patron roundtables, which we will still have about every quarter or so. But the fourth Saturday of every month will be an actual play episode. And the format that we're thinking of is that they'll be broken up. They'll be about uh, about an hour to an hour and a half each, roughly. And then uh, it'll be, they'll be like one-shot adventures. So, uh, you know, one shot typically takes anywhere from three to five hours. And so that that span of time will be broken up, you know, like I said, between an hour, hour and a half. And so it'll take about two, three months or so. So you'll have an entire, you know, show, an entire episode entire adventure or module uh, over the course of you know three to four months uh, and we'll be inviting uh, special guests of course you know wizard patrons deity patrons as well uh, there'll be a rotating cast you know mary will show up for sure 100 as soon as i brought the idea up to her she's like i am all in um and so yeah so it's, it's really fun really cool if there are any uh, adventures in particular that you want us to run or uh, writers in general that you you know want uh, us to check out to see which of which of their adventures we'd want to run definitely hit us up dndlorecast at gmail.com all the aforementioned social media websites and of course our own discord the discord is always on and popping we're always talking about something something dnd related something math rock related something nerd related for sure uh, but it's very exciting and we can expect to see that changeover happen at the beginning of 2024. So yeah, we'll have our first uh, our first actual play episode at the end of January. So again, very very excited about that. Um, as far as there's a really like that's more like D and D lorecast news because there's not a whole lot of D and D news, um, you know, official news right now. Uh, obviously they just released at least digitally the um the book of many things. Still waiting on word for when the physical um version will be fixed and released. 
the uh, D&D Adventures uh, free ad-supported television channel is now live. You can get it on Plex, on Freebie. I, I, I don't, I couldn't, maybe that's, maybe it's the old man in me. I couldn't figure out, I could figure out Freebie. I couldn't find it, or at least I couldn't figure out a, an easy way to search for the D&D Adventures channel on Freebie. I was able to find it really easily on Plex. So I've been watching on Plex. Like when I'm working at home, I have it on a browser on uh in the background and every so often i'll pop over and just you know see what uh what eric and presto and and all of them are up to as far as homebrew shenanigans are concerned uh this as you know because planescape just came out uh, a little while ago there's been a bunch of cool planescape homebrew stuff on dm's guild i'm going to highlight manual of the planes now this comes from the creators of the draconomicon Tasha's Crucible of Everything Else, and of course, everyone's favorite, the Honkonomicon. Uh, this comes from Q QL Games, as well as a you know slew of other creators. Um, the Manual of the Planes, an invaluable definitive work of the most fascinating aspect of the world's greatest role-playing game. A vital source book for players and DMs of all levels of, of experience, the Manual of the Planes details the manifold worlds of the Great Wheel the most popular cosmological model of the multiverse. This book describes the layers, locations, and denizens of these worlds, as well as ideas for creator character creation and building planar adventures in these alien surroundings. A different style of D&D adventure awaits. Of course, completely compatible with 5e and Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse. You've got uh, over a dozen new feats. You've got a handful of new spells, uh, new species, new items the entire thing looks i mean it's a i mean it's a good chunk of it's a good chunker of a book you can get the pdf right now for 29.99 again it's a little pricier than the stuff that we usually highlight on the dm's guild corner the homebrew corner whatever we call it now a uh, bit pricier than what we usually highlight but definitely worth every single penny i mean this is essentially a is, this has the look and feel and quality some would argue uh, more so, considering the quality of some more recent Wizards titles, uh, but the quality of an official book. And like I said, I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, so $29.99 is essentially the cost of what you would pay for an official book. And um, the writers have already stated that, you know, hopefully the uh, hardcover edition will be out early next year. So if you are a fiend for physical D&D media, like I am myself, you might want to wait. I personally can't wait. I'm going to pick myself up a, a digital copy of this so I can start looking it over. And uh, hopefully, maybe they can fix, can coordinate some kind of discount when the hardcover comes out. But if not, then I'll probably end up getting that too and giving my money to smaller creators, you know, the 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 homebrew community of D&D. Of &D. So that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up the middle of the show and head on back to the lore. Welcome back from the middle of the show. We're going to spend the last half of the show talking the more rare gem dragons. Uh, the first of which is the obsidian dragon. Uh, obsidian dragons are the most intelligent of the gem dragons, but they're also the most vicious. They are extremely haughty. They anger easily. And they like to toy with their prey before they finish it off. 
Oh, how pleasant. How how delightful. Uh, an obsidian dragon has smooth black skin with razor edges where the joints come together. Mm-hmm. But when they're first hatched, their scales are gray, rough to touch, well-defined. But as they get older, they darken, they become smoother, and they also begin to blend together. Uh, most obsidian dragons prefer to make their layers around volcanoes or in one of the mountains of coal found on the elemental plane of fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most great worms, though, make use of the Genesis power to create their own demiplane. And while obsidian dragons... What's that? Just that'd be great. It's my own little demiplane to chop into from time to time. Uh, While obsidian dragons do not shy away from combat, They do make quick assessments of the opposition and determine within a couple of rounds whether they can overpower their foes easily. And if not, they retreat to formulate a plan of ambush or to avoid any, you know, particularly powerful foes. They leave to either strategize or just run. Yeah. Uh, They prefer to use their breath weapons and long-range tactics to soften up prey before using their physical attacks to finish them off. Right. Um, And a favorite finishing tactic of theirs is to snatch an opponent and plane shift to the elemental plane of fire. Oh. Yeah. Or to their own demiplane if the environment is hostile enough. Well, all right then. Which is wild. That is um, so badass. Um, <laughs> man, imagine fighting an obsidian dragon, having him like pluck up one of your party members. You see them disappear, and then you see the obsidian dragon reappear. Except your friend's gone. You're, you you okay. have no idea where your friend's at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next, we've got the amber dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, amber dragons are perhaps the most solitary and aloof of all the neutral dragons, preferring to wander throughout the heavily forested regions that they call home. And although they're not unfriendly, mm-hmm. these dragons are so closely attuned to their natural surroundings that their moods often reflect the capricious nature of the elements. Ooh, okay. And they're not territorial per se, but they will quickly dispatch creatures who enter a forest depths with hostile intent. I see no problem here. Right. Uh, So far, so good. Don't mess with nature. Uh, Amber dragons possess this thick bark-like skin that ranges from a dull gray to a dark brown. Uh, Their eyes are the color of rich amber. And then mm-hmm. they also have this like long one foot, uh, home like homed prow, like horned prow, like oh, sort of. Oh, like. okay. Uh, in addition, they're really neat looking. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Uh, in addition, their feet and these like large like scythe like claws. Um, they speak their own language as well as well as various druidic languages, and in fact, they can communicate telepathically with druids. Uh, as well as other forest-dwelling creatures such as elves and gnomes and sprites. So I think this would be the type of dragon, the type of gem dragon you would be. Possibly. 
very much in tune with nature with the elements hanging out that's with just all i want like that's all i want in life that's so all you've ever out. wanted it really is <laughs> uh amber dragons dwell alone in these large uh primeval coniferous forests and mm. range throughout that expanse mm. making no permanent layer um and unlike most other dragons and by most other dragons i mean all other dragons these yeah. creatures regard gold and other metallic treasures with disdain mm. so they don't hoard any material objects so thus any treasure that you might find you know with an amber dragon is purely incidental yeah, okay. Uh, despite their reputation for getting rid of these hostile outsiders, the Amber Dragon is in no way a, quote, defender of the forest. Rather, these creatures are a force of nature, as many of their abilities uh, uh, stem from their close connection to the natural world. Oh, cool. So that's not like, you know, they're these hippie peace-loving beatnik dragons it's just that you know because their power comes from the natural world they you know gonna protect what keeps them powerful exactly yeah that makes sense uh they do uh subsist by drinking the thick sap uh, from trees hmm. and they extract the sap by plunging that horned prow beneath the bark of a tree and druids or rangers or anyone that's familiar with amber dragons can detect their presence by the distinctive triangular mark that they leave on the tree by doing this. Okay. So again, if you want little... to include an amber dragon in your adventure yeah. or campaign, it's a good way to um, sort of tease it with the, the little mark on the triangular tree. Triangular stab holes in the tree. Triangular little, stab holes. Little mark? A little mark, really? I mean, little in the terms of, you know. Redwoods. Right. Because <laughs> there are big marks, and this would be a little one. Uh, and finally, we're going to talk the Belgeril dragons. So okay. they are a remnant from a time when oceans of magma lapped against the shores of young continents. Oh. A hatchling is dark gray but slowly develops the coloration of a lava lake. Gray or black plates interspersed with bright red and yellow outlines. An older dragon gradually gradually loses this pattern of colors mm -hmm. and develops dark gray and violet scales streaked with incandescent blue and green. Uh, they speak their own language, and mm -hmm. at least one other language. And it's usually a language that's spoken by those living nearby. Okay. So if it's, you know, elves, probably elvish. If it's, right. you know, more humans, probably common, mm -hmm. which makes sense. Yeah, pick up the local language. Right. Uh, these dragons uh, inhabit lava lakes formed at the summit of a volcano by an eruption. And this is an awesome environment where curtains of fire and fire fountains periodically appear. And so the lava flowing into these lakes is smooth and sinuous. Mm -hmm. And then the surface cools into a dark skin, which is torn and cracked by the currents and by the movements 
of the Belgeril dragons. They rarely leave their lakes except when a new eruption is imminent. And at this time, they take flight seeking out new lakes or other large concentrations of lava. Okay. That's how they know it's time to go. Right. It's like, oh, go leave for now. Maybe we'll come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's a good way to know the volcano is about to erupt if your Belgero dragon is leaving. I don't. Like, hey, where's your Barry dragon? Going? Yeah. <laughs> Barry. Barry the Belgero dragon. I like uh, it. Their lair is uh, a complex consisting of the lava lake, the aforementioned lava lake, mm-hmm. and also the surrounding caves and mountains nearby. And I thought this was particularly interesting. They derive their sustenance from seismic energy. And so they have to stay in a seismically active environment to remain healthy. Oh, okay. That's really neat. It is cool. Um, And so they don't usually consume gems and minerals like the other gem dragons do. Right. But surround themselves with them. If you know, if, if they if they are around, they're surrounding themselves with them by filtering the seismic energy needed to survive through these crystalline stones. Okay. And in these rare places where they live, Belgeril dragons lay and bury their eggs deep in the earth, and then each dragon is born at the same time as a new volcano. Uh, can you imagine that a new volcano is born? civilizations like well shit <laughs> i mean at least you know there's a belgero dragon yeah. being born at the same time yeah that's terrifying <laughs> I, I just love that bit of lore like i it, it doesn't even sound true like in the traditional mm-hmm. sense like you know it sounds like that's like silly. actual lore mm-hmm. like anytime uh, anytime a, a new volcano pops up, a Belgeril dragon is being born. It's just what Grandpa used to say. <laughs> anytime, uh, anytime a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Uh, <laughs> these young wormlings are curious about creatures that they've never seen before. <clears throat> uh, they rarely initiate combat. Uh, because for one, their harsh environment shields them from most threats anyway. Right. And two, that's just kind of their way. Like most of these gem dragons don't initiate the combat to begin with. Yeah. Uh, one of the we, only... we could scrap if you want to scrap. But... Right, right. If you want to, <laughs> yeah, if you want to do this, we can do this. But trust me, you don't want to do this. Right. Uh, one of the only times older dragons seek conflict is when seeking a new home in seismically active territory. Right. Well, yeah, this makes sense. And in terms of gem dragons in general, uh, there Mm -hmm. was a rage of dragons in 1372 DR. I've heard heard Uh, about that. You've heard about that. You're a big fan of the the rage of dragons. I'm a fan. Uh, It sends the other dragons, sub-races, all the chromatic and metallic dragons into a frenzy they go nuts. Mm-hmm. They go dragon nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, the gem dragons across yeah. Faerun <laughs> uh, use their psionic powers to escape the prime material plane. So they all head to their respective inner planes, you know, where they hang out. 
Hey, these and guys then, are about to lose their minds. They are going to flip it. We should yeah, go. They're going to we lose just, eat. all the marbles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and when the rage of dragons finally ended later that year, the gem dragons that had left began to gradually return to Faerun and you know pick up where they left off. And I do believe as a result of that, I might do a Rage of Dragons Patron Plus installment for this episode. So if you are interested in hearing that, go check out patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. We talk all about it in the middle of the show. Uh, So Mm -hmm, if you want more mm -hmm, information mm -hmm. on that, you can re-listen to the middle or you can just check out the show notes. There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Lord Mistress Mary. Oh, you are welcome, Lord Master Sergio. And thank you for listening. We appreciate you uh, allowing us into your lives for this short amount of time. We hope you enjoy the show. We hope you come Mm -hmm. back. We hope you listen to the archives. We hope you join the Discord. We hope you ask all the D&D questions you may have. We hope you uh, talk all the fun D&D stories that you have. That's, um, Mm -hmm. That's what I subsist on. You know, it's not the sap from trees. It's not gems. It's not seismic activity. I survive on D and D stories. True. It's where he uh just consumes nerdness, and that's how he exists. <laughs> that's it. I consume nerdness. My name is Sergio, and I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show. Consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast, or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.